Okay, so this is the first episode of Dude, What Happened, which is a post-apocalyptic podcast, which, say that three times fast, Lord. <laughs> and pretty much what we're going to do is we are going to review some of the best, some of the worst, and some of the most forgetful post-apocalyptic movies out there. America, England, the entire world, if it's about the end of the world, we'll find it, we'll watch it, and we will talk about it. And, of course, we're going to try to make it funny because post-apocalyptic is usually not pretty funny. I am Marcus, one of your hosts, with my co-host. My name is Bryce. I am your co-host. You are my co-host. <laughs> All right. So now, dude, what happened in Snowpiercer? Well, um... The world froze. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. So kind of what happened, just to give like a brief synopsis, like really short, the world froze, and there are surviving humans, and the way they chose to survive is via train. So we have a train, and it kind of creates this like little world. So you have the rich, and you have the poor, which we'll definitely get more into, but the fact is... The poor are treated like garbage. It's awful. It's really bad, and they want equal rights, which, huh, that sounds very familiar, but we'll get into that soon. So the poor people of the train start to fight for rights and, like, legit fighting, and it's crazy, and you have, like, this warfare close. There's a lot of stuff. They deal with a lot of big issues. It's dark. It's, like, grimy. It's gritty. It's Bryce is looking at me with a scrunched up face, so you know it's bad. <laughs> like, it is a dirty, dirty world, especially with the poor people. And as you get to the rich people, you see how they're decadent and, like, it's very French aristocracy, very eat the rich. So we are college kids. We love that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, now let, let's kind of get into it because, again, it's about poor people going from the back of the train to the front, dealing with the rich, just trying to take over the engine so that they can have equality for everyone. Everyone has the right to eat. Everyone has the right to everything. So, Bryce, what is your like kind of relationship with the movie? Well, uh, you introduced it to me. I haven't, I never really had an interest in watching it until like I met you and I kind of understood your love for this genre. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very deep. And, I mean, we watched it, what, like two weeks ago? Well, yeah, that's why I wanted to do this one, because it's, like, so fresh, and I feel like we have so much stuff to talk about that we didn't, like, get a chance because we were both so tired. <laughs> yeah. So it, it definitely creates, like, an interesting sort of... Uh, you, don't, you don't see... Like, world? Like what? Yeah, like, it's like a micro... Yeah, it's a microcosm? Yeah. yeah, that's what we call it. Because the entire world outside of this train is too cold for anything to survive. Yeah, like, we saw, like, in middle of the movie, a few people got a few feet and totally froze. Like, gone. You could turn them into ice cubes if you wanted to, but I think it'd be so gross. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, it's really bad, but we can see... There's the rich, there's the poor, and... Huge class divide. Humongous class divide. And, like, Snowpiercer is actually a pretty big franchise, so it 
kind of had its start in the 80s with a French comic book that had around two volumes. The third volume just got done in 2015. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, this is what's even weirder. The name of the third volume is called Terminus, Uh, which any... Walking Dead fans, which we probably have none because we just started this. If we have any fans at all. If we have no one, probably. <laughs> but if someone like Terminus is from Walking Dead, which we will definitely cover, but that's just like, it's weird. It's interesting. So there's that. And then there's Snowpiercer, this series, TNT. It's a very, um, very drama, which like, it was okay. I, I I wouldn't say it's like the best show in the world, but it it scratched an itch when I had an itch, you know. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, there's just some stuff that's like that. Yeah, it's like it's not something that you'd go raving about, but it's like, well, now time to settle down and just like watch this really like kind of, you know, calming, kind of calming like um movie or show, and it's it's kind of interesting, but. It, it's much more like clear with the um, comic books because in the comic books there's more than one train. Really? Yeah, there's like multiple trains, which like makes more sense because you want to save more people or like more rich people so you can have more money to like. <laughs> yeah, because in the film, mm-hmm. there is only one massively long train, and it like thousand and one cars. Is it really? Yeah, it is. And starting at the um, the engine, like that's where all the rich. Are, and then as you move further back towards the back of the train, that's where things start falling into disrepair. And, like, the poor are kind of... They, that's where they're forced to live. Yeah, that's where they're forced to live. I'm pretty sure there's no air conditioning. I'm, like, or you don't want air conditioning. You want heat. Heating. But, like, there's, like, no heat. There's, um... We saw... We're gonna handle with what they get fed. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be... That will be interesting for anyone who has not seen the movie... Oh, by the way, humongous spoiler alerts. That wasn't obvious before. So, Bryce, do you think, if you have not seen this movie, should you? Probably. I think it's one of those where you should definitely, like, pause this, go back and watch the movie, and then come back and hear our thoughts on it. And by the way, if anyone likes Parasite or Akja or just anything made by Bong Joon-ho, this is one of his movies. So if you just like Korean stuff, but you also just want to listen to English to be and don't want to dub this is something that I think can like fulfill that kind of need because it's a lot of his like style comes through in this movie I think very like very much so like you can see that this is like Korean movie mm-hmm. and like has his style his like arts like artsiness to it especially just adding like he has like two actors he always uses the one um here let me pull up his name because I kind of like forgot it right now, but there's like one, one actress he likes to use because he used her in Akja is Tilda Swinton. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, she's, she's like, I we'll get more into that, but like, she's used a lot by him, and I know I'm gonna na- get this name wrong, so please like, Song Kang Ho. Sure, yeah, that's close that, enough. That, that's what I got. Yeah, that's good enough. That, that, that's the best I can do. So, like, I pro- I, I'm bad at my own language, so, like... <laughs> but, yeah, he uses a lot of them. You see a lot, like... It's a really interesting movie. Definitely should be watched. A lot of spoilers right now. 
So if you've seen it, listen to this. If you haven't, go away and come back. <laughs> yeah, again, massive spoiler warning. Like humongous spoiler warning. This is entire. This entire podcast is built on spoilers. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't really have much of a podcast without spoilers. No, like I feel like no one would have a podcast, especially a movie podcast without spoilers, yeah. and especially us right now. Yeah, so like, kind of, as you know, I love this kind of series. I haven't read the comic books. I've watched the show. I've watched this movie multiple times. Watched it with my dad. He did was not a fan. Uh, <laughs> which I can understand. Yeah, like it's, it's not everyone's cup of tea. No, and I think like. It's so much grime, like it's a war movie, but it's so much grimier and so much like dirtier because almost everyone is, everyone's covered in blood, everyone's covered in dirt. If you're not covered in blood and dirt, you want, you want that character to be covered in blood and dirt. It's just, it's a dark movie. No light in, what's the right word? What am I thinking of? No light in sight. The movie feels super hopeless. It does. It, it creates a very like, feeling of just complete dread. and utter dread, hopelessness. Um, yeah, so this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, real uh, real cheerful subject. Yeah, so now that we kind of like got, because you like enjoyed the movie, right? I did enjoy the movie. Yeah. I thought it was a very fun watching experience. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a hidden gem too. Yeah. It's kind of one of those movies that like, if you're like really big into a certain genre, you know it, but if you're not... You don't. You just don't know it. And so now that we're kind of done with that, let's kind of get to the reasoning why the Earth is frozen. <laughs> billionaires. Yeah. No, we could just say billionaires, and that will work perfectly. But I think we should probably get it more. To more. be more specific. <laughs> more pers- yes. It was um, essentially a failed uh, global warming solution. Uh, took a drastic nosedive in the opposite direction. Like, well, the thing is, it was supposed to cool the Earth, and it did. <laughs> it cooled the Earth. It just, um, you, you know that thing when you're, like, too good at your job? But it's, like, you're so good that you accidentally leave. Oppenheimer, maybe. I don't, yeah. Too good at your job for your own good, and I feel like this chemical was exactly that. Was it supposed to cool the Earth? Yes. Did it? Yes. Did it kill everyone? <laughs> yes. So, so, moving from that, that's the root cause, the end of the world in this particular film. Yeah, so that should have, like, killed everyone, but there was this one guy who becomes, like, a, a legit messiah figure, and his name is Wilford. By the way, I want to get into a theory about Wilford and, like, the whole train thing, which I feel like we will. Mm-hmm. This will, like... <laughs> You're going to hate it. I think you're going to hate it, which is why I want to handle it so badly. But Wilford, like, he know, like, the we have, like, they tell us that he knew it was going to happen, that he knew the world was going to freeze. So he built a train that can sustain the freeze. And, like, the show kind of goes more into it. He was building himself a luxury cruiser so he could survive the apocalypse in style. That makes sense. By the way, the Snowpiercer movie is, like, it just took the concept. None of the characters, like, only Wilford is the only character who's, like, from the books. A lot of it's very, like, its own thing. It's very just Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of, it's, it kind of just kept the concept. And, like, in Snowpiercer, the movie, it's much more, 
oh, he's fighting for the people. He's trying to say he just becomes God pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it is. That's not how he was written. He was supposed to just be this billionaire who like saw the saw the signs and wanted a nice life for himself. And so pretty much he builds this humongous train that in one year it travels the entire world so like you know how much like the length of a year because it's a whole spot thing. Like if you hit a certain spot that means you've hit a year. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It's really Yeah, they kind of they had a celebration. Yeah, they did. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get more into that because I do not think that's the celebration they should have been having. Probably not. It was, it was a weird time to have it. It was? Yeah. Because didn't they stop in the middle of, like... They stopped combat? in the middle of a fight. It was, there was, a like, a... Li- we saw, like, a bloody man smile at our main character, Curtis. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, by the way, let's start getting it. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So, okay, we're on this train, and so pretty much what happens is the rich people who can buy the tickets get on the train. Like, Tilda Swinton handles it perfectly in, like, the start. Rich people who can afford get on the train. But as you can see, people are dying if they're outside, so everyone's just trying to get on the train even if you can't get a ticket, which is where our, like, people in the back come in. So... These people are in the back of the train that has nothing. This was legit meant for cargo, which they threw out, of course, yeah. because they're trying to survive or turned into, like, their own little houses because they make a little, like, shelter. I, I think that's the best word for it. I can't say city. It's like a sort of um describe because it's just a bunch of beds and, like... Beds and barrels, and yeah. it's, like, whatever you can use to make a nice... Not even nice, just livable, mm-hmm. just suitable... Like something you can somewhere you can go and sleep. And they kind of create this little area. Everyone's huddled together. I I think it's like I don't know. No one has the specifics, but I think it's around like ten cars. It's ten cars full of four hundred people. I want to say, or I want to say even less. I'm even more people. Probably. And most of the time, when you see them, they are packed shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, they are packed shoulder to shoulder. Like there was a few scenes where it's just. Only them in the cars. And I'm like, where's all their stuff? Is that, like, even further in the back? I think it's further in the back. I would assume. I assume because, like, they probably, the way they have it set up is, like, the very, very back cars are probably where they have, like, the beds. Yeah. And, like, like rest areas. And then they have, like, a sort of kind of gathering spot. Yeah, gathering spot. But that feels, like, even too formal for what this is. It's just, like, I I barely even call it. Wa- it's walking room, kind of? But- like, where you're not, like, constantly, like, pushed up against each other like sardines in a can yeah so oh and something i also found like super interesting is when they were like meeting like in that meeting area you could see them curving you could see like the people curving from the cars like as the cars sway exactly you could see like them moving and i thought that was just a really cool like little fact not even fact like little detail that's really interesting to me because it it kind of reminds you hey yeah we're in a train yeah, train like as a as a side tent. Train physics are strange. Yeah, I've been on a train before. Like I rode an Amtrak from like between two towns mm-hmm. during some vacation, and let me tell you, it feels real weird because I was on like it was a double layer train. Oh yeah. And I was at the top, and it felt like it was gonna fall over constantly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. And you gotta like this train must be going so fast oh, to yeah. keep a certain like I would. 
Because I've been like on a pretty fast train, but you sit down. You do not get up. Yeah, you're normally not standing. There's a yeah. reason they have you sit like sit and wear seatbelts. Yeah, and then this place, like you have to, like you can't just sit all the time. Yeah. So I wonder if people like kind of change their like strength or something. It happens. They just got used to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like people who spend a lot of time on like boats. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you do you have your do you have your track legs or something? Like yeah, I bet it's something like that. Now let's okay, let's get into enough about just trains. Yeah, enough about trains. This is not a trains podcast. This is a trains after the end of the world podcast. All right, so we have our main character Curtis, who is played by the Captain America, Chris Evans. Chris Evans himself. Chris Evans himself. He is grimed up good. He he, he no, he looks honestly pretty bad. I he looks disgusting. He looks gross. Like, you know some, like, Henry Cavill, who, like, he grimes up good. Like, there are actors who, like, when they're, when they're wearing grime makeup, they still look good. They look good, like a Viggo Mortensen in Lord of the Rings. He looks good. Honestly, I prefer him in that. Like, seeing him, like, in his later movies, I'm like, sir, <laughs> get a beard, get long hair, get some dirt on, rub some dirt on it, because you grime up good. And Chris Evans does not. But the point is, Chris Evans looks bad everyone no one looks good in this movie. everyone looks disgusting no not a single person looks good in this no one looks attract no one looks anything in this movie everyone looks bad haircuts don't exist oh haircuts don't not even for the rich did you see that poor girl's hair like in the <laughs> it was like off to, like there was a strand that like a big chunk of hair that was just off to the side out of the bun that was just doing its own thing yeah and like people have rotting teeth. Like dent. Well, we saw a dentist. I feel like we did. I just don't think Tilda was going. She doesn't have dental insurance. She's like second in command, but she has no dental insurance. She she doesn't have the time. You know, too busy yelling at poor people. Yelling at poor people and putting shoes on like fathers' heads. God, that whole scene was so uncomfortable. That scene was uncomfortable. Okay, okay. So we have Curtis. We have his second in command, who I'm pulling up the actor's name right now. Jamie Bell, big like Scott, yeah, Scottish or Irish. I believe he's Irish. Yeah, I think you're English. He's not even both. He's not even either. Oh, we're both wrong. We're both wrong. He's an English actor. He is playing our boy, uh, Curtis's. We're gonna just call him Chris Evans. <laughs> I hate to say it, but like I cannot remember all those names. How about you? No. Yeah. So we're just gonna call him Chris Evans. He is helping Chris Evans. Jamie Bell's name is Edgar in this movie. And they are both like the revolutionaries. They are dirty, grimy revolutionaries who are the leaders of the of the tale. Like I've 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 heard them called tailies before. Yeah. I mean if you want to use that. I think I'll just use it. I feel like it's simpler. So they are the leaders of the tale, but like they're not the main leaders. We have a main leader who is played by the very iconic John Hurt, the Horned King himself. But John Hurt is Gilliam. He is like, he's the ultimate leader of the back. And we kind of see that he's like super important actually to the entire like ecosystem that is the train. And then we have the second in command of Wilford. Now, Wilford, should, should I just say who like, yeah, Wilford's Ed Harris. They definitely make Wilford a god character within this movie. Like to the most extreme because like, in the scene where they like pass through the school car, yeah. they're literally teaching the children that he is like the ultimate savior of it's, humanity. Like, 
I think even saying that he's the George Washington figure is under like estimating. It's like not enough. He's so much more. He's like because they worship the engine, so he's practically a prophet in this world. I would say that's probably the most accurate way. Yeah, because I yeah I feel like God was too far, but prophet like within this world they do worship the engine. They, they consider it the, sacred. Yeah, it's the sacred engine. I heard it immortal engine, eternal. Like, this engine's very important. So Ed Harris is played by Wilford. His second-in-command is Tilda Swinton, who's Minister Mason. Like, honestly, it sounds like a cooler name than what the character deserves. Yeah, she's just... She's a Tilda Swinton character. She's a Tilda... She's weird. She's just weird. <laughs> yeah, Tilda Swinton, great actress. She always plays the weirdest, like, most, like, just, like, find-in-the-forest type of people. Well, okay, so where we are, we are in the back, in the tail. Again, everything is grimy, everything is gross. Our two leaders are Chris Evans and Jamie Bell, who, and Chris Evans is like, he's the leader leader. Jamie Bell is his second in command as Edgar. And should we start off with the violin? That's a good place, yeah, because that was very much a significant, like, scene yeah it was a significant scene i don't does the husband seem like a good person yeah i mean he didn't he wasn't really given too much of a choice by the end of that altercation but i will say it establishes how ruthless and like callous the rich people on this train are no it definitely gives you an example you know how like you have a save the cat which shows you that the main character is good i feel like this is more kick the dog like it shows you how the the bad guy is bad. Like it shows you just how bad this world is. Yeah. Because it's bad you're you the guards broke an old woman's fingers. <laughs> just because they, they they did that just because they only needed one violin player. Yeah. And they like the husband and wife both played. And he was trying to like I think he would have been totally fine being like, No, not me, her. I feel like he would have been totally fine doing that and I feel like they just broke her fingers because they could by the end of it. Probably. Yeah, so we kind of get that that um, they're bad. The people at the top are bad. They have a military who like wearing SWAT. I want to say it feels SWATy. To it me. feels like SWAT gear. Yeah. Like basic like body armor, helmets. Yeah. Guns very... with no bullets. Yes, which is very important. So it turns out now the people in the back eat. Power bar? What do they call it? They call them protein protein, protein bars? bars or something. Yeah, like protein that. bars, which are these gelatinous bricks. Like it, Imagine like a rectangle of brown jello. Yeah, that's pretty much what... It's a little orangish too. A, a little, little bit. Not like just to give a sense of it might be organic, which we find out it's very organic. <laughs> kind of the point is there is someone at the top or, like, further from the back who's sending messages to the back. Curtis is looking for the message, and we kind of get it. And what did it say? Because it's, like, really small, like, riddle-like messages that he just kind of... It was the name of the, um... Oh, it was the name of, like, the prisoner who, was who like, built the security. So he talks to our main boy, John Hurt. And John Hurt is, like, if we... So they're pretty much planning to get out of the tail section and go further to the prison section, which we'll talk about, and get out the security guy. And he will open all the gates and get them to the engine. That's pretty much like it. 
And let's get to the scene with the kids. We meet a really cute boy who's the son of Octavia Spencer, who's just like, she. she's just a mother. Like, yeah. she's strong as, oh my God, she is powerful. A force to be reckoned with. But on in this movie, I feel like they're just like, mother, mother. <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, each character definitely, like, has their role, and they don't go too far outside of that. Oh, yeah, it's not like Curtis is doing poetry or, like, or, like, uh, the security guy is, like, doing, like, arithmetic or, like, mathematics. Everyone kind of... St- no one has hobbies. Well, kind of. Well, we have our, like, artist guy, but I think that's his role pretty much. Well, that's not what I was talking about, oh. but yeah. No, what what were you talking about? Drugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is drugs a hobby? I wouldn't call drugs a hobby. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, there's definitely recreational um, things that you can do. I totally forgot what they call it. I don't remember what they call it either, but basically it is a drug made from solidified industrial waste. Yeah, and this drug honestly becomes like a chronol. That's what they call it. Right. It's pretty important. It's pretty, like, big. It's almost used like a currency. It's like, yeah. It's used as a currency, but it's like a black market currency, it feels like. So now the army military... Military, they come, they grab all the people. Octavia Spencer has this boy. What did you think about the boy? Because I thought he was cute as, like, he was a cute kid. I mean, yeah, he, he had a, his little ball. He had his little ball, and I think that scene was to be like, hey, this kid is cute. You don't want anything bad to happen to this cute kid, right? <laughs> and <laughs> something bad happens to the cute kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's really bad. Um, the military comes, and this lady comes in, and she needs two kids who she's measuring, and then there's this... Yeah, I read that measuring tape. Measures everything. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, she measures everything with that measuring tape. And so pretty much, she measures these two kids. She needs to make their make sure there's certain height. She takes these two kids. She takes the son of Octavia Spencer, and she takes the son of this Scottish man. Just like, is there any more that we can say about this man? Besides the fact that um, something really horrible happens to him, like, on top of that, yeah, he has bushy he, hair yeah. and horrible teeth. He, oh, ho- yeah, but I don't think anyone has good teeth in this movie. So pretty much he kind of, his kid, his son also gets taken away. So the Scottish guy who, I will find his name because I do not want to call him Scottish guy throughout this entire movie. Yeah. Uh, his name is, if I can, wow, they really did not care about this man. He is, like, far down. Really? <laughs> He was a de- like pretty significant character. I thought he was. Honestly, I feel like he was done pretty dirty because I don't feel like anyone fought for this guy's kid either. No. Yeah. He, he was the only one that did. No, he fought for his... Everyone else was hiding Octavia Spencer's kid. Like, So the actor's name is like Ewan. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to call him the S- Scotsman because I am not getting a... Hang on. I'm going to see if I can verify his yeah. name really quick. So to kind of keep on going, their two kids get taken... And this kind of starts everything. Um, this is when, like, Curtis kind of realizes, hey, I don't think they have bullets. I don't think they have, like, anything. All right, so his name is Andrew. So we're calling him Andrew. And so now Andrew and Octavia Spencer, their kids get taken. Curtis realizes they, they don't have bullets. So the next time that they are sat down in this meeting area, because do you think it's like a daily thing? It's like a roll call type yeah, thing, because they count how many, like... Yeah, I think they're hoping them. all of them die, though. Probably. Yeah, so they do, like, this roll call thing. And Curtis, our boy Curtis, 
after he gets, by the way, he gets the chronol because we're going to need that drug pretty soon. He takes a gun, puts it to his head, and pretty much does the scientific method. You have a theory, you test your theory, and if it comes like out true, you roll with it. By the way, I'm not a, sci a science major of any sorts. As a science major, yes. I can confirm that is indeed how we test things. Okay, awesome. Except we usually don't involve like involve putting guns to our heads. That's not a smart thing to do. Not during lab, at least. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. We are college students, so we are depressed. Uh, <laughs> and so he puts the gun to his head, and he believes there are no bullets. And there are no bullets. There's no bullets in any of these guns. The reason for that being, there was a another revolution like an uprising in the past and they used up all of their they yeah bullets are extinct now they bullets have went the way of the dinosaurs and so now our guys our tailies have metal like just anything they have metal rods i think some of them have axes so a lot of them a few of them have like knives they don't get the axes until later oh yeah that's mostly right. just blunt force weaponry yeah so pretty much what they do is they realize the guards do not have bullets so they attack they create this humongous, like, ram made out of barrels. And they use that to stop the doors and stop the gates from moving, and they go further. And now that they're, like, everyone's moving further, it's, like, hundreds upon hundreds of people. Just, like, it's really, like, warfare. It's very close. I really enjoy the fighting scenes. Yeah, I would say that they're definitely, like, you have to really adapt to that environment it's so close quarters oh my god i totally forgot we need to get back um andrew what happened to him we need to deal with what happened to him oh yes okay so there are these two goons accompanying uh tilda swanson's character yeah i I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say they're boyfriends i think they are or husband probably i, I mean it's i feel like the implication is definitely there yeah he was resting his shoulder on like, him. yeah one of them rests his head on the other shoulder like and the other one loses it completely when one of them dies nice. later than the movie yeah which like we some people are gonna say oh it's just like brothers or father and son but i have never rested my head on my father's I shoulder i feel like the implication is definitely there i feel like the implication is that they are married or a romantic relationship of some type and so pretty much in the back, they have this hole mm -hmm. that leads to the outside of the train. And now the Andrew, the Scottish father, is angry that his, understandably, angry that, yeah, that his son is gone. He tries fighting against the woman who's measuring everybody. And he hits her. He gets in trouble for it. His hand is put through the hole. He throws a shoe. He throws a shoe. And this is, I think, the first time we see Tilda Swinton, the minister. And she does her whole spiel about, like, you are... Because she puts the shoe on his head. And she goes on about, like, how everyone has their place. Like, you don't wear a shoe on your head and you are a shoe. <laughs> yeah. Like, very much, like, classist. BS. So, so classist, so capitalistic. We hate her. We don't like her. We wish bad things for her. But anyway, the punishment they dole out on this unfortunate man. Unfortunate man. They have. They even have specialized equipment for it because they have this cuff they put around his upper arm. Yeah. And they hang a very large golden stopwatch from his neck. Yeah, which I think was just for style. Probably. But, but they have a, a port in the side of the train car that they open up. Yeah. 
and they sent, they stick his arm through it, and the thing on his arm creates like a vacuum seal that he can't pull. Oh it. no, he can take it out, and pretty much what happens is his arm gets completely frozen. He takes it out, and one of the goons smashes it with a sledgehammer. Humongous sledgehammer. All right, now let's get back to where we were. Now, we are in the car where they make the protein bars. Oh, we skipped over the prison car. Did they go to the prison car and then go to the... Yeah, prison car was before the food district. Okay, so let's get to the prison car. Because the way they do it is they make that huge like battering ram type thing out yeah. of the barrels, and they wedge all the doors open until they can get into the prison. Yeah. And the prison itself is interesting. Yes, it's super because interesting. They don't have the room to build normal cells. Yeah, which like makes sense. Honestly, they're doing pretty good for it being a train because you never forget that this is a train. But imagine, like, you know a morgue? Where yeah. they have the the wall. No, that's exactly. It feels like a mort. Yeah. Except these are for living prisoners and these not living prisoners. dead people. So that they, they get out our like main guy whose name is I'm just gonna Nam Gung. We are going to call him the security man. I am so sorry. We don't want to butcher any names. Here. I do not want to butcher any names. He's the security man. He has a daughter with. Oh, and he loves Cronal. Big druggie. Both of them are. Both are. She's addicted to. Um, but it kind of seems to give him powers. <laughs> it definitely makes him more focused on like. More focused, but she like legit has powers. She can like see through. And it's kind of talked about within this world that some people have powers. We're not talking, they do not, they cannot move things with their minds. It's just, it's kind of, she can see kind of past door. Not even see, just sense past door. She has like a sort of. Almost like a spider sense of it's, it's, a, a sense of impending danger. Yeah, which really helps the plot. I feel like it really does something cool. And so they both get them out of the prisons, and these prisons are very morgish. And they get them out. They use these really weird, really bad translators. Very, they don't work well, which I think is perfect. Mm -hmm. I think that very much symbolizes like, oh, we don't need to invest a lot of money into this. Yeah, because we are xenophobic capitalists. Why are we ever going to need to talk to Why someone who speaks a different language? We, we never needed to do it before. <laughs> Why do we need to do it now? Why do we need to do it now? But it also just shows how like glitchy technology will always be. I mean, especially like translation technology. You know, subtlety in languages, dialects. All Di dialects, emotions, like it doesn't count for any of that. And so now we are past that and we are in the food car where they make the power bars for our tailies. And boy, oh boy, yeah, they, are, they are just simply scrumptious. Oh, aren't they? So now there's this one guy who kind of handles everything. The tailies know him because he used to be a tailie, and he makes the bars. He's a really interesting mole-like person. He is very mole-like. He's so mole-like. I feel like his eyes are very weird, which I do not think is attacking the actor. I'm pretty sure that was done for the movie. Well, he's also kind of going insane because he's the only person in that car. Yeah. But does that man, like, he is, he's, like, a very, like, um, strong person. He is, like, jumping because he has to do things manually because no one is investing time in this machine mm -hmm. <laughs> except to, like, for him. He has to maintain it all himself, run it. Yeah, and he's doing a great job. I'll do, I'll say that. He's very focused. Mm -hmm. And 
there's this big machine that creates the bars that like led out onto a tray with all the bars on them. And one of our guys who's like an artist, he, he draws with coal because of course he's in a train. Really great artist too. Yeah, like I wish I could draw that well. Yeah, he does amazing work and drawing with coal is just interesting. It's fun. Uh, but he goes up to the top and he sees what's there. <laughs> he sees what's like the ingredients for the bars. And ladies and gentlemen, cockroaches. Yeah, it is cockroaches. It is insects. Because if this movie is not nailing, capitalists hate poor people. Just it's nailing, it's nailing, it's nailing. Capitalists hate poor people. You know those machines they used to make McDonald's chicken nuggets? Oh, were those cockroaches? No, but okay. I will say they use a similar machine to grind up these roaches and turn them into these disgusting, like, jelly bars. Yeah. Now, Curtis, okay, is understandably angry, and we just see everyone, like, eating them because they don't know what they're made out of. But I think even if they knew what they were made out of, they'd still let it At that point, I don't think they're going to care. Yeah. So. Which makes sense. So now, like, let's let's kind of rush through <laughs> Well, not rush through it. Well, right now we're still just kind of giving a synopsis. We haven't really gotten to exactly. other stuff. So. Which is like... We're not even halfway through our... Yeah. yeah. We, need to, we need to move over. So we're going to kind of keep on going. And now we... Like, let's get to probably the battle scenes because they've seen sunlight now, which they haven't seen in a really long time, like years. They see it like once a year, maybe. Well, they have no windows. They don't see it at all. I'm talking about like the rich people. Yeah. But yeah, like the the tailies, they don't ever see it. They, they never see sunlight. And I feel like the rich people honestly constantly sun see sunlight. They, yeah, have, they windows. have windows. They have windows. Mm -hmm. And so they are seeing sunlight all the time. And our tailies are not. They are never seeing sunlight. And this is the first time they see it. And we are going from train to train. And this is kind of when we get to kind of a pretty big part of the movie which is the kind of battle. We get to a battle because we are unlocking a new um, gate. Our The security guard's daughter, who can like sense things, says, wait, don't open that. And this is where we see a bunch of like soldiers? You could call them that, but their appearance really doesn't hit that. Yeah, they look butchers. like they they look like butchers. All right, now I think I have a reason because at the beginning they have a fish. The thing is, like they do have a fish, and they put blo like they it's like they do like that weird like ritual thing with it. Yeah, they cut it and like cover their things and their axes and blood. Now I think I have an I think I know why. Back in like the old olden days, people would have like something diseased and cover their blades in the blood of the disease thing. So if you scratch, it gives you, like, the disease. Yeah. I wonder if that fish was diseased. Some kind of biological warfare. Yeah, some type of biological warfare, but very, like, um... Because they were giving me, like, butcher vibes. Yeah, they were, like, some of them had sort of, like, tactical body armor like the guards seen earlier in the movie do, but yeah. most of them are just wearing, like, butcher's smocks. Yeah, they're just wearing butcher's smocks. And they have these very brutal looking hand axes and all of their faces are completely covered like, yeah except it, for their mouths except yeah even their eyes are covered they Everything. wear these very strange masks yeah and then our minister the minister comes out and is like you guys have shamed the train prepare to die pretty much and we get this 
pretty interesting like fight scene. Everyone has blunt weapons. If they don't have blunt weapons, they have axes and knives. It's just it's very melee. It's very like hand to hand combat, which I don't think we see a lot of, especially in a more modern type of setting. So it's really interesting. But let's get to the point of, again, this movie reminds us we are on a train. We are on a train because we have ice on the tracks. <laughs> yeah. Like, that. does that happen during that fight scene? It does happen during that fight scene because they, there's a conductor there. And so, like, everyone is back to, like, everyone stops fighting for a good second because there's no way you can fight accurately. So it doesn't help anyone. So everyone just kind of stops fighting and braces all of the icebergs and everything, and which is really interesting because after that, it turns out they passed a place that marks New Year's. So yeah, they, they basically pause their fight. It's kind of like how they used to like have temporary Christmas truces in World War One. Yeah, but it was like it's so much. I don't like that. They played soccer with each other. It seemed very friendly, very kind. This was so much more gruesome than that. Yeah, especially considering what happened right afterwards. Exactly. They just like okay. So pretty much spoiler. Right after they s- kind of do their celebration, which the Taylors don't care about. It's very much. Ugh. Because everyone, like, all the, like, soldiers are like, yay, it's New Year's. After this, I'm going to go, I don't know, have a party. Add it. <laughs> get like drunk. Happy, yeah, get drunk. Ha- happy New Year's. But that after that, after they say Happy New Year's, everyone goes back to fighting. Oh, and I was going to say, yeah. right after that is when they enter the tunnel. Oh, my God, they do enter the tunnel, which creates a more, like, super interesting because that's even part of the military strategy of, like, our soldiers of our upper class people they all carry night vision goggles they, they all have night vision goggles and the minister tilda swinton is like legit watching the tailies get killed by these people in night vision goggles quickly the battle shifts in one direction very quickly when that happens yeah but hey we have a little boy because by the way there is a last pack of cigarettes which was held by the security guard a bunch of matches were taken by a little taily kid who, like, runs a lot. He runs really far and passes a torch. Passes a torch because now, so we got fire, the Scottish dad runs, another person, like, everyone's running, like, throws. Like, there's multiple torches now, and, like, it is awesome. It's a really cool scene. It's one of my personal favorites in the movie. I would say that scene is very, very cool. Very cool because everyone has torches and night vision goggles and it's just fighting in the dark, and it's gruff, and it's tough, and it's, like... It's like, Grayson. yeah, it's a it's a very interesting scene to see, like, how quick thinking everyone is. But, like, I'm not like, oh, cool that everyone's dying. Because it's awful that everyone's dying because we lose, like, Curtis's second in command. Jamie Bell passes away. One of the goons dies. And so now we have, like, big enemies, like, big enemies right now. Uh, the Tailies win. Tilda Swinton is captured. Um... She takes off her teeth, which was really gross. Yeah, I don't know why that was necessary. I don't. I don't it think was it, gross. it was. It was just. I think it was just trying to add to the unsettlement of the entire movie. It's like, she has like these really, really large like front teeth that like protrude out of her mouth, and then she takes them out. Yeah, it's like honestly, I would have just got normal. Like, I feel like they're too big. Yeah, I don't imagine they have the best dentistry on this train. No, I don't feel like they. 
honestly, I think they need to fire their dentist or like throw him in a snowball or something. I know, like, he's not good. I hate to say it, but I I don't trust his work. <laughs> so kind of after that, she sides with the tailies, and pretty much we get a big conversation with Curtis and John Hurt that pretty much just says, "This isn't. You have to take over the trade, and people are looking pretty bad out here." And so Curtis kind of takes a smaller force. They they advance pretty far in the train, but they don't go any further. He takes a smaller force to kind of take the engine, find the kids, and go further because he doesn't want to risk too many people. So we get a big, cool portrait of we got Octavia Spencer. We got um, the security guard and his daughter. We got Curtis. We got um, Tilda Swinton. We got the Scot Scottish dad, Andrew. We got, um, and finally, we got, like, John Hurt's, I want to say his personal bodyguard. That felt like his personal bodyguard, like the martial arts guy. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say that, like, because John Hurt's missing, what, an arm and a leg. Yeah. And also kind of get to, like, there was a point when the minister, like, back in the tale, when the minister was, like, about to, like, I feel like, get more people and John Hurt comes up and says that's enough. Did you like notice that a lot of people got up with them were missing arms, they were missing legs and they felt very well respected. Mm -hmm. They felt like, I hate to like, and I, by the way, I'm a history major so I like bringing things back, but it felt like they were very like advisors, nobles within this type of Taily society because of their sacrifice which we will definitely get into very, very soon. But I really, I like that fact. And we get this guy who's like a martial artist who goes with this small group and to, let's get into the garden train. That, which is really cool. It's a cool train. So yeah, basically after uh, the fight, the big the big fight scene with all these psychopaths, yeah. um, they take the captive Tilda Swinton through like some of the more like, production-based cars like stuff yeah. like cars that have a use like yeah the cars that have a use like produce food water things like that yeah, for the yeah. upper class members of the train yeah for because we have an aquarium that creates sushi we have like this um orchard type of train yeah, it's like an orchard with like so all sorts of like fruit trees and like other types of edible plants yeah. Which, like, it looked great. By the way, I will definitely get something to drink after this because I'm just thinking of orange juice this entire time because there were so many oranges. They were, like, it was a, it was really, all of them were super pretty. They were pretty trains. Everyone seemed to be very, um, all their needs seemed to be met. And that, I will say that sushi bar is interesting because they only had enough fish to, serve, like, open it, like, once a year. Well, the thing is, it's not that they, they had plenty. She even, like, covers. It's not that we don't have enough fish. It's that we want to always have enough fish. We have enough. We can like splurge if we want to. It's just if we'd like go thirty years, if we come for thirty years in the future, that one little mistake thirty years before might have a big effect thirty years in the future, which is something that like definitely is brought back at kind of the end of the movie. So it's kind of you want to maintain this certain ecosystem because you're always thinking about what's going to happen next what what's the future going to entail and so we get dealt with that and then we're in like a meat car that lee by the way i don't know where the cows are yeah where where do they keep those because <laughs> you yeah. see all this like butchered meat but you don't see like 
No, you don't see the animals, but we, it. I think it's safe to assume they have they have to come from somewhere. I highly they were way too big to like. I, and I don't think this has like a cannabis, not cannabis. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm can, cannibal. Please don't come for me. Uh, cannibal <laughs> type no, of. There's definitely not like human meat implications. It's just I. Not, not with this. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but not with this place. Now let's get to the skull car because I feel like we're gonna talk a lot about this one. Because things really pick up there. Yeah, it's so like propaganda place. Mm -hmm. It's awful. So like even like even the school teacher herself is very much indoctrinated. Super indoctrinated. There was that eye flutter while she was like playing the piano that felt like drug induced almost. It did, which is concerning because she was pregnant. But yeah, but like. This world looked messed up. Oh, obviously. Like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt if she, because she was like happy even when talking about like pe people were dead. Mm -hmm. She was talking about how awful these people were. People who wanted equal rights. Oh, terrifying. Clutching my pearls. Like, it's awful. And so we kind of deal with this school that's so propaganda, so like, Wilfred is the best way to go, the way Wilfred has everything right now with hundreds of people in the tailies is perfect. That's perfect. Because with them eating cockroaches in the back, we can eat all the real good food, and we are like Ch Wilfred's Chosen or something. I don't know. Actually, I think they even call them Wilfred's Chosen. Probably. Yeah, it's like the train chose us to live while everyone else died. It's very much like, like that. And should we kind of like... Oh, by the way, they're still looking for the kids. And they, the kids went further from, like... Yeah. They don't end up finding them in the train car, the school car. Yeah. Uh, what they do find is a very creepy bald man pushing a wheelbarrow full of eggs. <laughs> okay, let's get to the eggs. Like, so the point is, it's New Year, people are celebrating, and they bring out these eggs. And they go all the way back, all the way back to the tail scent section which has never happened before which is so i which i feel is like something people should have like picked up on like hey we never got and curtis is handed an egg with one of these little message capsules in it that we've seen in the past yeah normally they've been found inside of the protein bars yeah but this egg contains one of these messages and didn't it just say blood it said blood by the way i just kind of want to handle the fact if i was given and i don't I'm not trying to be a snob here or judgy, but hard-boiled eggs are the grossest thing on earth. <laughs> I agree. They're disgusting. They're so gross. Especially I, because most like people overcook them and it starts to turn the yolk green. Yeah, and it starts to smell. I just get an image of my like uncle during Easter, my Theo. He'd always like un like unpick them and like eat them and, and they smelled because he overcooked them they smelled so bad my grandpa did that too when we would color easter eggs if there was one that had a crack in it he would just eat it and it would reek well, yeah they smelled so bad so if i was like one of the kids who got one i want to be like yay i'd be like i hate to say this but like send it back does any like does anyone have like i don't know a hostess cupcake or something like Something good. Something decent. Something, something any any chocolate. Like, <laughs> that doesn't smell like the bowels of the whale. Yeah. No, like, ah, that's so gross. Yeah, but no, that that's right. <laughs> now, Only soft-boiled eggs are good for ramen, and that's it. Oh, my God, yes. You know my whole thing with, like, eggs and ramen. It is so good. Like, I had it yesterday. It was delicious. It's the perfect ingredient. 
Now, okay, let's get back to... Getting on to the significance of the eggs. Yeah, so it says blood, and he's like, what does that mean? And now we kind of find out that eggs are supposed to be extinct because it leads to a whole new thing. It's like eggs were supposed to be extinct in this world, in this train, and the and the bald man, <laughs> the bald French man is like, oh, no, no, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh I'm gosh. so sorry. I'm You're going to so... alienate a good portion of our listener base. French? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know how big this is going to get. No. Um. Mm. Yeah, but he's like, oh, no, um, they're not extinct. A lot of things aren't extinct, actually. And by the way, I'm totally fine making fun of this man because he's honestly a bad man. This has nothing to do with he the French people. Man. They are lovely people. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. He's a bad man because the guy asks, what else is extinct? And, he, of course, the artist, the tailie, is much more hopeful than he should have been because he pulls out a gun. And this is when things escalate crazy. Everyone has a gun. The teacher has a gun. I feel I feel like a few kids had guns. I think, I think so. What? Really? I was just making a joke, but maybe. I'm remembering correctly, which is not likely. I hope they didn't have guns, but in this world, I wouldn't, like, put it across. Even the pregnant them. school teacher pulled out a gun. Even the old lady in the grove pulled out a gun. Mm-hmm. She Like, she always had a gun. It was just there. <laughs> just there. And by the way, that, like, teacher, she was ready to kill... It was crazy. It was yeah, awful. Yeah, she was bloodthirsty. She was bloodthirsty. And so we kind of, how many people, like, the Scott, Andrew's gone. Yeah, he, he lost his son and his arm and then died without, like. And I feel like only the artist was there to comfort him. No one else cared, yeah. it seemed like. And so justice for him. And so we kind of get further on. It's more of a rush because now one of the goons is angry that, his boyfriend is gone, is dead. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much what happens is Curtis is running with his people. He's going f- in further in the cars. We go through a few cars that will just brush back like super, super quickly. Basically just full of rich people doing drugs and getting like high. Yeah, and there's hot tubs. Like saunas and stuff. They handle all that. They have a pretty cool like gunfight. Yeah, yeah, utilizing the weird physics of the train as it moves around a huge curve. Yeah, which is super cool. Like, I will say one thing. All the fights in this movie are insane and interesting, and they are not, like, bland or boring whatsoever. They're super unique. I don't think we should glaze over the fact that the the bald man, the French guy, he the reason he ends up making his way back to the very back yeah. is to enact a, a culling, yeah. to cull the numbers of the... Tailies. Yeah, and to take them out. Oh, and by the way, he gets John hurt, which is, by the way, televised. Oh, yeah, that's, that's like, broadcasted to the whole train. Yeah, to kind of show that this guy is gone. Mm-hmm. And so we go further. We have this really cool bullet fight. Let's get to, like, the sauna, because I just... We lose, like, so many characters. In we that. lose almost everyone. Um, the martial artist is gone. Octavia Spencer is gone. Um... We keep the security guard who hides behind a woman in a sauna, which I, I would love to have seen that transaction. Like, hey, can I hide behind you? And she's like, sure, whatever. By the way, can you rub my back while you're back there? Like, just. <laughs> yeah. But the one goon, he's on a pretty, pretty much on a war path. Oh. And he slaughters all of these characters. Yeah, it's total barbarism. So Curtis, the security guard, and his daughter are the last ones to survive. And they, 
they pass by some more cars with like dentists. We have bookshops. We have um, restaurants. We have bars. Everyone has like fancy haircuts and fan- like really decadent clothes. And like everything's very like capital from the Hunger Games, which we will so cover at a point. But everything is just so much. It's almost too much. And so we kind of handle that, and then we get to, like, these party cars. Very interesting. Um, they are very... Everyone's gross. <laughs> they are gross. And it's interesting because they're also all, like, chronol addicts. Yeah. Because, like, the security, like, expert, he ends up, like... Because they're all, like, out of their minds. Yeah. High. He just takes all of it with them as they pass through this and car. And the people are like, no, wait... No, stop. No, stop, don't. It's very Willy Wonka. It's <laughs> and so pretty much that's what happens and they get all the way to the engine. They get to the engine. Curtis has this whole spiel. It's like pretty heart-wrenching. So I'm just going to handle it like really quickly because yeah. we're running a little short on time here. So we, this is going to be a long episode to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh so we still have plenty of time. But we want to rush at least this part. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We can move on to other parts yeah because we want to get to more meat of it so pretty much is they did not feed the tail for a really long time at the beginning like for months almost a year and so the people were starving and cannibalism happened because of course it would and curtis talks about how we um like this is very dark it's super dark um trigger warning so big trigger warning he almost eats a baby but john hurt's character cuts off his arm and, like, it says, if you're hungry, eat this. Do not eat the child. And other people start cutting off their body parts. And a lot of people are cutting off body parts to save everyone else. And Curtis even says it's, like, a miracle. It's just, like, very self-sacrifice. And he feels really bad because that, like, he was about to eat the baby. And that baby was his eventual second-in-command, Edgar. Yeah, Edgar. And it's very, like, it's very sad. It's very, like, super emotional. It's very bad. And then he's telling that to the security guard. And the security guard is just, well, he kind of gives him his plan. He's like, I believe that the world is warming because I was married to an Inuit woman. And she believed that there was a change because she noticed the snow which is very interesting within itself. And he's like, there's this airplane that I saw and I saw more of it this time. So I believe the world is warming down and we can live there now. And Curtis is like, that's crazy. No one's done that before. And he's like, why do you think I get chrono? It's flammable. I'm making a bomb to get out of here, out of the gate. And next thing we know, the big gate, by the way, we are outside the engine room. And directly outside. Direct, like directly outside, the door is opened by the lady who turns out to be like Wilford's assistant. Wilford is in like it's pretty big. I would say it's a pretty big car. Mm-hmm. And Mostly empty. Super empty. Which, but it's taken up by like the machinery that powers the train. Yeah, I really hate that he says, "Oh, I'm so lonely." These people are packed up like sardines in the tail. Like, if you want to go, like gruff it up with the tailies go be our guest but he talked curtis is the only one brought in um the security guard pretty much is wounded is not doing okay 
his daughter is checking up on him, which it, that's all very sad, but we got to get to like Curtis and um, Wilford. And Wilford is, what do you, th- like, let's kind of do our villain thing right now. Let's handle it. What do you, what are your opinions on Wilford? Awful, disgusting human being. I could, I could barely even call him a human being. He just, he, like, I think he thinks he's a god. From the way he acts, he's he definitely has a god complex. Definitely has a god complex because he, people aren't people anymore. He doesn't have conversations with anyone. He doesn't like. He's just like he treats people like animals. Like it's a his the entire train's a slaughterhouse. It feels like he's he's literally abducting those children just because they're small enough to fit inside of like certain spaces to keep machinery operating inside of the engine car. Yeah, no, and it's like it's really awful because I feel like because. Wilfred says, hey, Curtis, by the way, this entire thing was planned. Like, I knew this rebellion would happen. You want to know how I knew this rebellion was happening? Because I was talking to John Hurt. We'd have late night phone calls. We were pillow talking. It was great. It was. <laughs> it's basically what. Oh, that, yeah, they were having like late night conversations. He's like, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss that man. Which I would, honestly, I would have loved to have seen their conversations because John Hurt's character seemed like a great guy. And then you have just, like, Wilford. So I wonder how... It felt like two kings talking. It really did to me. Like, two leaders. It did feel that way. And did it? was it ever discussed how they knew each other? I think, like... I want, I would love a whole thing on John Hurt's character because it felt like he was almost put there to take care of the tale. He felt like a steward of the tale, almost. Like, so... No, but we don't really know how they meet. It's not really handled. It's just like they met. They knew each other. They were good friends. So that's all handled. I would love a prequel series, though, (laughs) about that. I highly doubt we're going to get it because he wasn't like a character in the comic books. Only Wolford was. So we kind of get... Wolford's just an awful man. He really kind of... He doesn't care about all the luxuries he has because he can eat whatever food he, he wants. He has plenty of room. He has, like, he can be alone if he wants. He still has assistance, so he can, like, have company if he wants it. Like, he can get anything he wants, and he's just like, woe is me. I'm such a lonely man. I'm so, like, oh, being at the top is so lonely. <laughs> he's a bad man. He is a bad man. He's <laughs> a bad man. And he preys on Curtis because he wants to make Curtis, like, the new, like, engineer, the new, like, ruler. He's in, like, an heir almost. He does seem as an heir, like, handpicked by him and John Hurt. And so pretty much what happens is, and I feel like Curtis was about to, like, do it. I feel like he was about to take Lorraine. I definitely feel like he was contemplating it. Until? Until the kids. The kids. Yeah, the kids were definitely, like, he saw that and he just lost it. Yeah. And pretty much he puts his hand in the gears and, like, stops the train pretty much, which causes an avalanche. Do you remember how that happened? I think it was just, it was either the sound of the train, like, screeching to a halt, or I think the train might have, like, because it didn't start derailing until the avalanche hit it. Yeah. So I think it might have been the sound caused by the brakes of the train. Yeah, it was definitely something like that. And... So avalanche caused the train is entirely derailed. It is gone, and the security guard's daughter, and the son of Octavia Spencer, both survive, 
and they used like the drug coats. I'm just calling call them the drug coats I worn by like the people who were like in these drug pins. Yeah, very large fur coats. <laughs> very, yeah, they were wearing very pimp coats. It felt like. Yeah, it lo- reminds me a lot of what we saw at Spirit Halloween yesterday. Oh my god, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so they come out wearing these, and what they see is a polar bear. We see a polar bear, which is pretty much our symbol. There's life. Life is back. Life is back. And it was really interesting. And I feel like there's other people in other parts of the trains. So Surely they weren't the only two to survive. No, they're like, there need to be more, to be honest. Well, yeah. Yeah. Or like the world is doomed. So, so I bet there are more, but I think that's supposed to be more like let to everyone's kind of opinion. Hopefully. So now let's get onto the world freezing. Like, let's forget the train and, like, let's, how, let's atta- attack the root cause. Let's attack the root cause of the world freezing. Do first thing, no, I don't think we could survive this. No, you know, you've seen me in the cold. You know, <laughs> by the way, we are in Oklahoma. I am from South Texas. He is, Bryce is from Oklahoma. We cannot go further than Missouri. <laughs> we are like lizards. <laughs> we are lizards. Actually, we live under rocks. Basically. We do. So we cannot handle the cold. I think it's a very like interesting world that they kind of create. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And... <sighs> well, I mean, we, we would probably survive if we got on the train. Yeah. But otherwise, no, we're doomed. Exactly. No, I think we'd definitely be doomed. Well, we kind of gave our villain analysis. I want to go into a theory that I heard, though. Mm-hmm. Back to Willy Wonka. They believe, there's a theory going out there, that Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is Wilford. I feel like I told you about this before, and I feel like you hated it. Honestly, that might be the case, because I hate it now. It <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of those, like, childhood ruined like theories about like cartoons yeah by the way if they're by the way when we do cover wally because we will i'm gonna go through the pixar theory with you oh god okay (laughs) because i think that'll be so 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 fun yeah and but yeah there's this theory that charlie from charlie and the chocolate factory is wilford because we have the big old w there was percentages and chemicals handled in the original Charlie and Chocolate Factory, which both kind of um, comes back to Snowpiercer. I think this theory is entirely insane. Yeah, I the, don't. I'm not getting. I don't think this holds water. <laughs> no, be, like the. But the interesting thing is, Wilford says, "Oh, there's a piece that went extinct a long time ago," and like the kids are kind of taking the place of the piece. So I think you can obviously see what people thought the piece was when they thought of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory theory. Oompa Loompas. <sighs> Look, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. That is stupid. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's really bad. I think it's super funny, though. I mean, sure, it's funny. It's yeah, it's super funny. Uh, but yeah, no, I I also think it's a very probably not right. So we are around the end of the podcast, actually. So we are gonna to rate 
this movie. So, how met like I'm going to rate it by pro protein bars, <laughs> by cockroach bars. I think this movie is a five out of five out of cockroach bars. I love this movie. I've watched it ever since I was a high schooler. It's become this just it created my love for post apocalyptic, which is definitely my big thing. <laughs> and that's what this podcast is all about. Which yeah, which yeah. So I would give it a seven out of ten roach bars. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting movie. It's very thought provoking. So thought provoking. It's definitely a put your brain on type of movie. I would call it like um a vegetable movie. It's a movie you've gotta kinda watch. Because it's cool and it's really like interesting and kind of shows you kind of humanity. I, I get it. It's kind of a candy movie for me because I like to watch it, but I can see where it might not be for a lot of people. And by the way, there's so many places to watch this movie. Hulu. Amazon Prime and Netflix. Three. Like you, that is insane. So all of you probably zero listeners out there yeah. have no excuse not to watch it. Exactly. You can find it unless like, – well, yeah, unless they're like still doing rabbit ears or something. I don't. <laughs> Which, um, if this demographic is like us, probably. <laughs> you guys might just have to wait out for like someone to throw a DVD somewhere and like take it. Which I don't blame you. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think that's. I've, we covered everything. I think so. Yeah, we got it all. We got all our thoughts. Yeah. So this is going to be a weekly podcast. Yeah, that's that's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, no, that it's going to be a weekly podcast. Un- unless something comes up, obviously. Of course. Um we're going to be covering all sorts of topics ranging yeah. from movies, video games, video games, TV shows, TV shows, possibly comic books or novels in the future. We will see. We'll see about that. That will be a maybe. That's a that's a hard maybe. That's a hard maybe. Right now we're gonna do movies, TV shows, and video games. That's gonna be our like kind of bread and butter. We will see with comic books and stuff like that. Next week, I just want to say is Dread. Ah uh, yes, the 2012 movie, not the Sylvester Stallone. Please do not watch. Just actually never watch the Sylvester Stallone <laughs> Judge Dread. Ever. Just don't. Just don't. But uh, yeah. That 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 movie does fit our qualifications yeah. um, for this podcast. It does. Um, and or we both came into that with fresh eyes, but I will probably be taking more lead on that one. Yeah, you will. Um, we'll definitely give our opinions and our whole thing, and there will be a point when I just like I will react while you mostly talk. Yeah, because you didn't really like that movie. Yeah, we'll get more into that. Yeah. So this is us signing off. So um, bye and. Please happily survive the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>